Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday. Hey, happy Monday. How are we doing? I'm good. The octave is, I'm sad the octave is over. The octave of Easter is over. We now, now, got, now we got 50 days of, uh, of Easter season. That's right. And today we celebrate St. Mark's. We're back to celebrating saints again. It's fun. We have St. Catherine of Siena later this week. We had St. George on Saturday, which you couldn't celebrate because... Because we were in the octave. In the octave. So there you go. <laughs> so happy related feast day. Thank you. So, so what's up? Not much. I'm here. After vacation, well, not vacation. If you can call that vacation. That's not vacation. I was sleeping for five days, more or less. And, uh, but no, rested, came back. Yesterday was, uh, you know, so-so crowds at Mass. It's like I said at the beginning of 1030 Mass yesterday. It's like everybody came to Mass on Easter Sunday and felt like it counted for two Sundays. Because they didn't, (laughs) you know, they didn't come in great numbers yesterday, which usually is the case. But it was really, for us, even for us, it was really low. But no, we're, we're just so happy. We're still thrilled with. Everything that happened uh, during Holy Week and the attendance, you know, we talked about it in last week's episode. Uh, we were just overjoyed. I mean, and the thing is that when we recorded last week's episode, it was Holy Saturday night. Mm-hmm. We weren't aware of what was going to happen on Sunday, on morning. Sunday morning. And yep. we had every Mass was packed, including the 7.30 Mass in the morning. Uh, for some reason, my ushers told me we got we fit 1,088 people into the church. I don't know how we did that. Because that's impressive. It is impressive because we usually the, the max is supposed to be nine hundred. Please don't report us to the fire department. Um, they're friends of ours, anyways. So uh, we had people overflow in in Cumber Hall. There were like one hundred and forty people there. It was packed, and it was just so joyful to see the church bursting at the seams with people. Uh, Twelve thirty was the same. Five thirty, I wasn't around, but I saw it through the security cameras, and it was packed as well. So yesterday. We continued yesterday. Yesterday we had a great day. We had Divine Mercy. Mm-hmm. We had the Divine Mercy Holy Hour at three three o'clock. It was very well attended. After the five thirty mass, the call uh, did a beautiful concert in Cumber Hall. Uh, many of our listeners went, and it was just an amazing concert. A wonderful, wonderful way to end the octave of Easter. The first, the first of many, we hope. Yes, no, the first of many. We, we you know we're already talking about doing it during the fair next uh, in nice. December, uh, doing it at other times and. It, it had like I, I explained it to to the to, to the group that it had a kind of like uh, a Catholic nightclub feel because it was very intimate. You know, we didn't put out that many chairs. I think we put out a hundred chairs or something like that. And it was and the stage wasn't on this the actual stage. Right. We put what we still had the uh, the risers for where we put the the altar repose and those could be manipulated and put as steps or put down as as a little kind of mini stage. And that's mm-hmm. what they did. They were on the floor. And the drummer was on the stage, and, the, and they used the the screen as a as a you know audio visual and right. to help and with the lyrics of the songs, and it was just absolutely wonderful. And and I, like I said, a great day. You know, I was I was I have to say I was a little emotional during the concert because I'm like you know this was great. And I had a parishioner, I'm not going to name, I had a parishioner who uh, came up to me and said, you know, young parishioner, and she came up to me, goes, Father, my family has 
have been parishioners since the 1960s. Now, I say young parishioner, I'm saying about, you know, mid 30s. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she goes, My family's been in parishioner from the 1960s. And I'm just so joyful that our school and our parish are so alive. I've never seen it so alive. And I'm like, Whoa. You know, that's, that's high that's praise, a, especially a big <laughs> knowing who was telling what family this was coming from. Uh, and it was just, and it literally, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the the enthusiasm that we have. It is kind of like a bounce back. I, I've mentioned this, you know, coming off the pandemic, we, we, we want to go back to work. We want to go back to evangelizing. We want to go back to and participating in church. And and you see that, there, you know, there's so many things that are going on in our parish that speak to this resurrection, so to speak, which we're, we're celebrating now during Easter, this resurrection of we're coming out of this this tomb of the pandemic, and now we want to proclaim to everyone that Christ is risen. So this, it, it, you know, this was just such a, a great two weeks, and, and to finish it off last night with that concert, uh, the band did a great job. You know, the people were, were into it. We had pizza. You know, that, that's always good. And then uh, it was just so amazing. People, people were literally being fed. They were being fed, yeah. <laughs> they, they came up to me, Father, can we order pizza? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's order pizza. Nice. So we had we had plenty of pizza for everyone, and uh, it, was just, it was just a great, great two weeks. And again, I still can't get over Easter Sunday how full this this church was. That's... You know, finally, a deacon Flatus told me, "Go now, Father. You, you now you see what Easter at Little Flower is because, but I, but I've never seen crowds like this at Little Flower. So it's like people came out. It's Easter's revenge. You know, since we haven't celebrated it correctly in three years. Yep. So that was um, so I mean, so uplifting. I I said it last week. You know, I've been I've been in the parish for ten years now, and I hadn't seen an Easter like that." So it was, it was, but the tritium every single day, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday in the vigil, all were packed. But, uh, but to your, to your point last week, it wasn't just about the numbers. No. You know, because yes, the numbers are, the numbers are nice. It's great to see a full church, but you could have a full church with people who are, who are just there to, you know, fulfill their obligation and and not participate and they don't know what's going on and, and they're just going through the motions. But that's not the sense that I got, you know, especially during the Triduum at, at Thursday and, and Friday and into the into the vigil and really into Easter. And yes, we, we have a lot of people who are just coming because it's Easter, but there was a sense of life. You know, there there yeah. was a sense of participation, a sense of, you know, there's more than just people going through the motions here. And that's that's what really stood out to me and was so uplifting because it wasn't just a packed church. It was really a church that was alive. And it, and it's also people, almost every week, people come up to me and say, Father, I'm back after, the, you know, yeah. after being away two years after the pandemic. Last night at, was it 5.30? Yeah, 5.30 Mass. Was it 5.30 or 10.30? I don't remember now. I think it was 10.30. Um, he came up to me and said, Father, we've been watching you on, on, on the stream for two years, Ben. We're back. because." And he said, well, because the bishop took off the dispensation. <laughs> I'm like, well, there you go, uh, but and they were they said they were here last week for Easter, but they you know again didn't get a chance to see me. But it was great to have them back. To you know, whenever somebody comes back, it's like the lost sheep. They come back home. That's what you get during Easter. And yesterday, another lady came up to me and said, "Father, I was just so uplifted. You know, last week I hadn't been to mass in so long. I came on Easter Sunday 
and I had to come back nice. yesterday for for Divine Mercy Sunday. And again, these are just testimonies of, of of your brothers and sisters that are coming back to church and just feeling the power of the resurrection and feeling the power of of Divine Mercy Sunday and realizing, wait, you know, Sunday is the Lord's day. Sunday is the day to go and and worship and to be part of a community and to be there in person. Uh, you know. I know it's not going to be popular, but if I could take the live stream and kick kick that computer out the window, I would. You know, we, there are still shut-ins and there are still people that that genuinely need it. Yep. But we, we, you know, I've said this a million times. We can't fall back. Oh, I could watch it on TV. No, can't do it anymore. Mortal sin. You <laughs> know, so uh, grave sin, as the Archbishop said it. Uh, but no, we have to be present in church. And so, yeah. It's a little nice little Catholic guilt there to get you back to church if you're not going. I mean, but you're li- if you're listening to us, you're going to church. Yep. I mean, but, pretty much. So but it's a, a perfect segue to Thomas himself. You know, mm-hmm. th- this beautiful gospel that we hear on, on Divine Mercy Sunday of ill fame, uh, doubting Thomas. And I, I think I, I spoke about this last year when we, when we came up on Divine Mercy. I kind of hate that he's known as doubting Thomas because he's all of us. You know, every single one of us doubts and questions and, and goes through that period of, you know, I, I need to see it for myself and I'm not going to believe it unless, you know, unless I see it, unless I put my fingers in, obviously not the physical wounds of Christ, but Thomas represents all of us, you know, where, where we need to see it for ourselves. You know, and and that's why I'm saying it's, it's a perfect segue because for all the Thomases out there, yes, we need to be in church. You know, the, Receiving spiritual communion is is beautiful if that's what you need to do, but there's nothing like receiving the actual thing. There's nothing like like holding the Eucharist in your hands, putting it in your mouth, and, and consuming it and letting it consume you physically. And, you know, remember that Thomas in the Gospel was not there on Easter Sunday. Right. He wasn't there the day of the resurrection. He was there seven days later, you know, when we pick, when we read the gospel yesterday, so it's kind of like all those people that weren't there, and so they missed out on something very important. Thomas missed out on something very important. We don't know. I always joke, where was Thomas? Yeah. You know, shopping, shop. You know, he was. <laughs> he, Tom, but the gospel points out Thomas wasn't there. So, so many people that weren't there, and so you need to be present to, you know, to experience that transformational, you know, encounter. With Jesus, and to go to Divine Mercy, which is what we celebrated yesterday, you know, we had the image of Divine Mercy at the altar next to the Paschal candle, and obviously those words, you know, Jesus, I trust in you, and you know, I started off the homily with this question: Do we really trust Jesus? Because so many times we repeat that refrain: Jesus, I trust in you; Jesus, I trust in you; we trust Jesus, but. When push comes to shove, do we really trust him? Izzy, uh, who was in Ecuador yesterday, and hopefully he's back this morning, she hasn't you know, chimed in to tell me that she's landed safely. She was telling me when she was taking off right. yesterday, but she didn't chime in. She's probably sleeping. Anyhow, but Izzy uh, sent me a screen back of a, of a text exchange that her and a friend of hers, her and Quintus were having from her youth group. And basically... The friend of hers saw my tweet. I tweeted out during the Hour of Mercy what I said during the homily. Was, you know, I put out the image of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you, a beautiful image that, that the Carmelite sisters put out. And I say, we repeat that over and over again. 
Jesus, I trust in you, but do we really? And so this friend of Izzy's texture with the screen grab of my tweet says, why is he calling us out? How does he know oh. that? You know, why is, why is Father Manny calling us out? And so it was fun. that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a preacher. So, yes, it's calling myself out also because, you know, every single morning, just let's just start. Like, you know, when we started this podcast, Jorge and I did about 15, 15 to 30 seconds. We started the podcast, and Jorge stopped. He goes, yeah, I'm not feeling it. Now, probably because he's got stuff on his mind. I have stuff on my mind. Gone for five days, so there's a lot of things that I have to do when I get out of the studio, and probably a million things that I don't know that I have to do when I get out of the studio. It's just a, that a little th- bit of a busy weekend. Yeah, coming busy up. week, busy month. <laughs> May is much busier than than Holy Week, but so many things, and so we weren't feeling it. And even even when George, you know, when George was speaking maybe two minutes ago, I was thinking, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. And I'm and I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. And then I, and then as I'm speaking, and I always say this, whenever I'm preaching, preaching myself as well. You know, wait, Jesus, I trust in you. Whatever it is that you have in store for me this day, and that's something we we all have to say at first thing in the morning. Whatever it is you have in store for me today, I trust in you that you will see me through it, that you will guide me through it. And when I close my eyes this evening. You will have shepherded me through this day. And it has to be a mentality, a mantra. When we say that, Jesus, I trust in you, we have to say it with full faith. Not with the faith, you know, not with the doubting faith of Thomas is saying, no, I have to see things with my own eyes. I have to experience it with my own eyes. No. Anything that has, you know, and we're going to get into a little in a little bit, any little obstacle we may have, we have to say, Jesus, I trust you to get me through that obstacle. And, and, I mean, who know who who better to guide us through an obstacle than Jesus Christ? Yeah, and and again, we're coming off Easter week, where where he went through literally the ultimate test. You know, when I went last week uh, or two weeks ago to speak to the to the seventh graders, you know, I I emphasize the the I I emphasize Gethsemane, his his prayer. You know, let this let this cup pass. He didn't want it. He knew what was coming, but he didn't want it. So he submitted himself to that you know, because he knew. Yeah, he knew what was coming, but he also knew what was coming after what was coming. You know, he, he knew the crucifixion was coming, but he knew the the will of the Father. He knew that Easter Sunday was coming. So he submitted himself to this test anyway. He submitted himself to this suffering, which pales in comparison to anything that we might go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's not to downplay, yes, we suffer, we we hurt. Those are genuine things that we go through. We finally got a cross in here. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah about so I just, time. I just turned to We've the We've had crucifix. a Bible in you here. Know, I'm, I'm pointing over to the crucifix. You know, the, uh, every anything and everything that we go through combined pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ went through. You know, so so if he if he knows that suffering, that suffer on the cross, you know, he can shepherd us beautifully through anything and everything that we put up you know, in his hands. And, you know, like you were saying, there were probably, when I woke up this morning, two or three things that I was concerned about, worried about, you know, or didn't cause me to lose sleep. But, you know, you wake up every morning, I go, I gotta confront this, I gotta confront, confront that. But if you go in with the, you know, with the mantra, Jesus, I trust in you, and say, 
however this turns out, whether, and, and this is the problem, I, these two or three things that I'm thinking about, I would like it to go yeah. this way. But wait, is that way the way Jesus wants it? And that's where we have to say, Jesus, I trust in you. Because we wake up and we say, okay, I have to do X, Y, and Z today. And I want X, Y, and Z to go this way. And if X, Y, and Z don't go this way, I'm going to have a terrible day. But maybe problem X, problem Y, and problem Z go in a different direction. Go in the direction that the Lord wants it to. And that's where, if we truly say, Jesus, I trust in you, we need to get out of the way and let Jesus do his work. That's that. That's what happens. We don't, you know, we, we wake up in the morning and say, okay, I have these problems that I have to tackle today. And they may not even be problems. Right. They may be problems in our little heads, but in the grand scheme of things, may not be all that big. Or maybe things that we just, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill in our head. But if we say, whatever that problem is, whatever that obstacle is, we say, Jesus, I trust in you, the most important thing is get out of Jesus' way. Because here's the thing, he gives us free will. If we try to do things ourselves and don't commend whatever it is that we have to do to Jesus, to the Lord, whether it be something in our family, something in our work, something in our school, we have to commend ourselves to him and say, Lord, I put this in your hands because I trust you more than I trust myself. Let me repeat that. I trust you, Lord, more than I trust myself. But here's the thing. We don't usually act that way. We trust ourselves and our own intuition more than we trust our Lord. Mother Teresa once said, that's a sign of pride. It shows that you trust, your, you, you trust in your powers too much more than the awesome power of our Lord. I expanded a tiny phrase of her a little bit more, but you get the point for sure. Trust yeah, but, but is total surrender. Father, that's why I love that prayer in, in you know, as he's suffering and he says, you know, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. You know, because that's, I mean, it doesn't get more human it, when we look to Jesus Christ. It doesn't get more human than that. You know, where, where he's obviously none of us will, will hopefully sweat blood, you know, but, but as he's literally shedding blood, you know, and, and in this, in this sense, uh, in this, uh, this state of, kind of wrestling with himself, you know, where, where, you know, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want to go through this. This is, this is going to be painful. This is going to be really bad. Let this cup pass for me. But, you know, and then you get that ultimate obedience, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. And, and that's a prayer that I try to as much as I can go to so often, you know, because yes, I am a very prideful person. I, I, no. have, I have no shame in admitting it. And, and I know I can work on that. I would yeah. never guess from all the times where <laughs> you know we're playing something or competing or something or even on a golf course that you're a prideful person. Never, uh, you know. And, and I beat George last week, by the way. By uh, yeah, yeah. I, I kept it close there for like sixteen yeah. holes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that it, it's a prayer that speaks so much to me, and, and you know, kind of tying it back to to Thomas. You know, I I relate with him so much because in that pride, you know. I find myself often going, no, I got to see it for myself. You know, I'll, I'll read something, you know, I'll, a simple example. You know, yesterday's um, consecration prayer for St. Joseph was the miraculous staircase in, uh, in Santa Fe. 
you know, they told the story of this miraculous staircase that got built oh. in in a matter of months. And, and did I'm, you know about that story? I had heard of it. Tell the story. In tell the story. Tell the story. So in the uh, it's the chapel of Loreto in Santa Fe, New Mexico. The the sisters built a chapel. Um, they they uh, from scratch, and with, as the chapel was being completed, there was no way to get from the main floor to the choir loft easily. Yeah, the the architect who had designed it had just passed away. He never designed the staircase. So they had builders come in who looked at the space and they said, no, you know, the way the pews are, the way the chapel is laid out, there's no way to easily build a staircase. Um, so the easiest thing for you would be to just set up a ladder. But obviously the sisters wearing their habits would find it very difficult to go up and down this ladder. So they said, okay, they called in builder after builder after builder, and they all got told the same thing. So they started praying to St. Joseph uh, to provide for them. And on the they did a novena, and on the ninth day, a mysterious man shows up and he says, I'm here to, I'm here to, I want to build uh, a staircase for you guys. So he came in and he said, I'll do this for you under one condition. I want to be alone in the chapel while I work. So for three months, he locked himself in the, uh, in the chapel. He built this staircase and then he disappeared. Mm -hmm. And this is all true story accounted for. So the sisters went to go pay him, couldn't find him. They went to the lumber yard to find out who had bought the wood. No one had bought wood. Total mystery. They put an ad in the newspaper to try to find him. Couldn't find any trace of any builder who had come through town. And this is, at the time, in the middle of nowhere. This is the 19th century. Yeah. Right. So they're looking. The builders come in afterwards to look at it. There's no central support. Uh, there's no... To this day, architectural architects yeah. and engineers go there to see that staircase. Say, well, how, did, how was this done? Yeah. No, so, and but but so, there's more so the, details. Oh yeah, yeah. Where, is, where does just where, where does over where does the wood come from? Right. So they they did studies on the on the wood. It's not native. the The closest match they can find is from Israel. Go figure. Uh, so the sisters naturally concluded. Well, Saint Joseph answered our prayer and, being a carpenter, showed up himself and built this miraculous staircase for us uh, to get us up to the choir loft. So to my point, and, and I encourage you, go check out that story and, and read it because it's beautiful. But I read that yesterday, and what's the first thing I did? I pulled out my phone. And I had to. I, I, did the I, same need, thing. I need to see this for myself. I no, did the same thing. You know? yeah. So yes, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps. It's a, it's a beautiful staircase. It is. It is. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps, and I'm, I'm inspired by it, but my initial reaction is, no, I have to see it for myself. Right. You know? By the way, and ergo, the strange man the sisters concluded was St. Joseph. St. Joseph, yeah. yeah. You Which know, is like, wait a second, St. Joseph couldn't have been here, but there was no other explanation. He came with a T-square and a hammer and 19th century technology, yep. and no one knows where he got the wood. He just did his work and, and disappeared. And there, and if you look at that chapel, it there, with the, they built that balcony, the poor sisters, and they're like, wait, we forgot to put in a staircase. The only way they could put a staircase is doing these, we've all seen these round staircases mm -hmm. that you know you see in lofts and things like that in New York, but... Uh, it was just so beautifully made, amazing. No, it's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. But, but again, I wasn't. I wasn't saying, "Oh, let me look at it to see this this beautiful staircase." No, I, I literally finished reading it, and my first inclination was, "No, I don't believe that. I got to see it for myself." Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's Thomas. Yep. Yeah. And that's and that's and I recognize it right away. That was my pride getting in my own way to say, 
okay, I don't care what's what's been out there, but I got to see it for myself. Yeah, but can I say something? <laughs> you're being a little too hard on yourself, okay? Because you're reading this. Now you're reading this and it's like, it's it's not, you know, to, to use a little, you know, uh, uh, a child's point of view. It's a book without pictures for the most part. You know, the Congregation of St. Joseph. It's like you're reading this fantastic tale, beautiful tale. And it's not that you doubted it. It's like, I, you know, it's like, I have to see this for myself. Like when you come up on the on the chapel of, of uh, on the church of Loreto, you're gonna want to see the church, right? So it's not so much pride, it's not so much doubt. It's it's you know, and it, it's I mean a little different than from than Thomas because Thomas was brazen about it. And, and uh, unless I put right. my fingers, you know, in his scars and in his side, then I won't believe in the nail marks. No, with you, as I was saying, you're being too hard on yourself. Okay. It's like chill, you, you know. It's the first. It's the first reaction I had. Also, was like I had because I had never heard. You had heard rumblings about it. I had never heard of that staircase. I discussed it with some nuns that did go see it, and they, they're pilgrimage of people that go see it. And, and like there was an engineering conference. I found this article online when I read this story last year. That made a couple weeks earlier there was an uh, architect engineering conference Santa Fe, and they made a trip to this chapel. Just to see, and these people from France and people from all over the world looking at it, saying, "How?" So, of course, you say this was done, and Saint Joseph built it. I want to see what Saint Joseph built. So, if, if tomorrow they unearth, you know, you know, let's say a, even a small little table that Joseph and Jesus built when Jesus was growing up, I want to see the table oh, for sure. You know, we, we want to sure. see what the hands of you know the spouse of our blessed mother, you know, the foster father of our Lord. You know, don't know, Father, I said that. He doesn't like that term in, in the book. But, you know, we want to see. But that's more of our wanting to see with our own eyes the handiwork of God. And see, Thomas was brazen about it, like I said. And then Pope Francis beautifully said yesterday, and when Jesus comes on, he wasn't like, yo, come here. I mean, come here. You, you, you know, Here's here the scars. He's not coming at him with an attitude. He's coming at him from the point of view of mercy, saying, Thomas, here I am. Because, like I said yesterday in my homily, all the, the, the ten, because you know, there's eleven, there weren't twelve because Thomas was there and Judas was dead. So the ten that were there, you know, experienced Jesus, had all their sins wiped away when Jesus said, Peace be with you. Because Peter had sinned, all the disciples, save for, save for John, had disappeared and left Jesus to fend for himself, and then they had to have been feeling guilty. You know, could we have done something different? Should we have stood up for the Lord? You know, they had heard already, remember, mind you, this happens after Peter and John go running to the tomb after Mary finds it, Mary Magdalene finds it empty. So, they have to be feeling guilty. They have to be feeling well, what you know this sense of loss, because you know maybe is you know what happened to the body of Jesus is the Lord now. Right before this gospel starts, was, you know, you know we have in in the Gospel of Saint John the appearance to Mary Magdalene, where Mary you know where he says to her Mary and she recognizes him. But before that was last week's gospel where. They arrived at the empty tomb. John ran ahead. Peter arrived then, saw what it is. The disciple that Jesus loved went in, 
the one that arrived in the tomb first, he saw and he believed. So really, according to the gospel, okay, the only one that believed that Jesus rose from the dead that was in that room was St. John. After he said, for, and he saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead when the then the disciples returned home. Then there's like about ten ver eight verses that talks about the appearance of Mary Magdalene, where he addresses her as Mary. Then we go back to the upper room where the ten are on the evening of the first day of the week. So they're digesting this, what Peter and John saw during all of Easter Sunday, the original Easter Sunday. The doors were still locked. So there still was a lot of mistrust mm -hmm. there. They were still locked for fear of the Jews, that they were going to come and arrest them and kill them as well. So they really truly didn't understand until the Lord appears and says, not once, not twice, twice that day, the third time on, on Divine Mercy Sunday, peace be with you. And just by saying those words, every doubt, every obstacle, every fear they had, had to, every sin they had committed had to just melt away. I like the sound effect. That was George. It wasn't a soundboard. Okay. We have a soundboard, but we hardly use it. So that's where we are. It's like when Jesus says, peace be with you, that's where when we experience a peace of Christ where we could truly say, Jesus, I trust in you because that peace is overwhelming me and I could totally put my trust in you. So three peace be with you's that our Holy Father yesterday went into detail of what they meant and what, they, and what the disciples experienced. And I want to go over them really quickly because they're so important. The first one, when he says, peace be with you, the disciples, the gospel says, rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Obviously, they see Jesus alive. What's the reaction? Joy. You know, if we, some, if we see somebody that we lost that comes back to life, I mean, it's not going to be joy. It's going to be hysteria. Like, whoa. Well, maybe, maybe a little fear first. But. I mean, yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but, but, but let's say you run into somebody you haven't seen for a very Absolutely. long time, which happens to me as a priest all the time. Absolutely. I just get so much joy in seeing someone I haven't seen in so long, to be able to embrace them, to be able to say, how are you, to be able to hear about what's been going on in their lives. You know, I, uh, your, your sister-in-law the other day, you know, Sarah, I hadn't seen her. You know, I saw her grow up. I saw her, my, which was first in my first parish. Hadn't seen her. Now she has two beautiful children, one who I baptized on, on Saturday, your godson. Then, the second peace be with you. Jesus says it again, that same Easter, Easter evening. And when he says that, our Holy Father says it brings, it grants forgiveness. Why? Because when he says that second peace be with you, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. So not only does he forgive their sins, but he gives them the authority to forgive sins as well. If you want the biblical basis, when somebody challenges you, where, where does it say that you know, priests have to forgive sins? Well, it's right there. John chapter 20, verse 22 and 23. So there it is. He's giving them the authority to forgive sins. Whose sins you forgive or forgive them, whose sins you retain are retained. So the second piece with you brings forgiveness of sins, brings them forgiveness for everything they had done 
not only the previous three days or during that week, but everything they've done. Now, seven days later, Thomas is there. Jesus says again when he appears, peace be with you. Because whenever Jesus appears, he brings that peace. We talk about that peace right before communion in the liturgy. He says, peace be with you. Our Holy Father says, this second, this third time, offers comfort in every difficulty. See, Jesus shows the disciples on Easter evening, he shows them his wounds. He does it again for Thomas. He shows us his wounds to comfort us. He, he invites us to hide in his wounds, you know, to seek comfort there. He comforts us in every difficulty. So he goes up to Thomas, who's trying to overcome this difficulty of doubt, to overcome this obstacle that I don't believe until I see. And Thomas doesn't take Jesus up on his offer to put his finger in his wounds. He just says, my Lord and my God which would be our reaction. This, is, this goes to the point where, you know, people ask the question, why? He goes, well, when I get up to heaven, I'll, you know, God will give me the explanation as to why. You know, why I lost a child, why I did, what, why this happened, why, you know. And I always say, no, because when, as soon as you see the Lord, all your questions, all your doubts will be answered. That's what happened to Thomas. And it happens to us as well, because when we have that transformative ex- experience with the risen Christ, there's nothing else to say but my Lord and my God, but to adore him. And here's another thing that Thomas feared, that we all fear as well. Because when we have that transformative experience with Jesus Christ, we know that our lives will change. We know that nothing will ever be the same. Because Christ will invite us into this great adventure of preaching Christ crucified and risen from the dead. He knew his life was not going to be the same. The disciples knew their lives were not going to be the same. That's why everyone who came on Easter Sunday to our parish or came during the last two weeks during Holy Week and Easter week, Christ needs to transform us so that we understand that our lives cannot be the same in the light of the risen Christ. That when we look upon the cross, when we look upon the image of the, of, of the risen Christ in the divine mercy image and see those words at the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you. That question that I asked at the beginning of my homily yesterday, that I truly doubt, that's the title of this episode, do you trust Jesus? Do you really trust Jesus? It's a question that I challenge you to ask yourself in your prayer life this day. Because our pride gets in the way. Jorge was talking about pride. Our pride gets in the way. And we trust in our powers when we trust in the power of the risen one. So what's holding us back to, to, in doing the most logical thing ever? <laughs> Turning our lives over to Jesus and saying, Lord, here are the problems I have. Here's the litany of problems I have here. I wrote them out for you. I hand them over to you. That's all we have to do. It's very simple. Now, it doesn't mean that we just sit back and just wait for things to happen. No. You know, my grandmother would always tell us, would always tell me, you know, whenever I was dealing with a problem or doing something, she would say to me, La Biblia dice, cuídate que yo te cuidaré. You know, take care of yourself because I will take care of you. Well, you, you have to put your little, you know, your little grain of salt sure. into that. I was going to say, it, it brings such freedom with it you know, to, <laughs> yeah, to, to put our 
everything, our, our worries, our concerns, our, our doubts, everything, our sufferings, you know, everything that, that weighs us down. It's so freeing to go to a, to a church, go to an adoration chapel. You know, if you can't do that, you know, to, to look upon an image of Christ you know, and just pour it out to him. You know, and, and I've done that more times than I can remember, you know, where, where I've had a bad day, I've had a bad experience and, and I just, I just, I mean, the chapel in our parish office is so dear and near to me because I've, I have poured tears in that place. Yeah. And, and in doing that, it just brings this peace that you're talking about. And it's not just relief that, okay, I got the, I got the emotions out, you know, I got the tears out. No, it brings this inner peace of, you know, I, I, I put it in God's hands and, and, you know, I don't know how it's going to end up, but he's going to take care of it and he's going to take care of me in the process. And, and I don't know what that's going to look like, but it can't go wrong. You know, Jesus wouldn't lead me somewhere that's going to be damaging to me. You know, Jesus mm -hmm. isn't going to lead me somewhere that's going to be, you know, that that's going to have a negative impact on me. You know, maybe in my, in my getting there, I'm going to suffer a bit having to surrender things or die to myself a little bit. You know, but the ultimate goal, you know, the, the end point is pure joy and absolute peace, you know, and, and, and just the, that joy of the gospel, the, the peace of Jesus Christ. And yet we get in our way yep. <laughs> so many times. It is so simple to just say, Lord, I place this in your hands. I surrender to you. I trust in you. And so I want to end with this, you know, on... on on Saturday night, I, w I was talking to a parishioner. I said, you want a 30-second version of my homily tomorrow? I go, Which wasn't what I preached, but I, I said, you know, remember the movie Aladdin, where the first time that Aladdin meets Jasmine, they were running away from the palace guard. They had to jump out of his, you know, his, you know, his little loft over there overlooking Agrabah, and, and he asked her, do you trust me? She grabs him by the hand, they jump off. The second time he says that to her, is when he's pretending to be somebody he's not, when he's on the magic carpet, and he goes, do you trust me? And she realizes right away yep. that it is Aladdin. Very, you know, bad analogy, but imagine Jesus right now reaching out his hand to you and asking you, do you trust me? Now, we may have the same reaction that Peter had by the shore when G the risen Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter was insulted every time he asked that question. So if Jesus were to ask us, do you trust me? Our reaction would be, Lord, duh. of course, <laughs> duh, of course I trust you. But do we really? Because, yeah, if Jesus stood there in front of us, like he stood in front of Thomas, of course we would say yes, of course we would say, my Lord and my God. But what does Jesus say? Blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's all of us. So my friends, question that you have to meditate upon today is, very simply, do you really trust Jesus? Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! The you, baby! The you, baby! Yeah! Whoa! Whoa! We need a running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's yeah, a no-brainer. He's a the Hall sentence. of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. 
get out of here. What was that last night? Rough day for Atlanta yesterday. Very rough day. They were over against Miami teams. <laughs> That's so much fun. So the 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 let's let's go from Inter. We'll go around the room here. We got our we got our flags up. Inter four game win streak. Yeah, Look and at that after and, after we had ridden them off as dead in the water. And the revelation of Leonardo Campana. I mean, which I said in jest a couple weeks ago. Oh no, he came in and scored against. I think it was against Seattle. I'm like who's this guy? Yep. And right now he's the talk of the league. So they. They beat Atlanta, who has never beaten us here in um, Dry Pink Stadium. And, uh, yeah, Inter-Miami, they had the A-team of ESPN calling that game. It was like, fun. So Inter-Miami won. Uh, they, you know, because we're, we're going to finish with the Marlins. The Heat last night, they should have beaten the, the Hawks on Friday. Yeah. should have swept them yesterday. Yep. But they, they said, you, know, you guys want to beat us? Okay. Pounding yesterday. Uh, Jimmy, doing Jimmy things. Although, they hung in there for like a quarter. Ah. Uh, no, then, I mean more than a quarter, but the that still I'm I'm perturbed by that that last possession on Friday, the last couple of possessions like the Heat forget how to do offense the last minute of a game, and you know may not seem much against Atlanta, but when you start playing the Milwaukee's, Philadelphia's, and Boston's mm-hmm. of the world, which look are the, looks like the teams that are going to be moving on, we would play Philly in the next round. Uh, that needs to be uh, curtailed. Uh, the Panthers locked up the first seed. Looked to be they're three points away from uh, the Presidents Cup. Presidents, yeah, Presidents Trophy. Presidents Trophy. Presidents Trophy. And uh, best team in the league. Best team in the league. And would we have home home ice throughout? Home ice means nothing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. No. Means nothing. Uh, they were the only team that lost here, but it was like they didn't play their all their people. They were like there and. You know, the Tampa Bay wanted to make a statement. Good, go go off and make your yeah. statement. You know what where, that, where you been all? Oh, you year? know what that reminded me of what? last year when we finished the the la- the regular season with those oh, two games against Tampa. That was where that we what? lit them up. You want you want to talk about trying to make a statement? That's, we lit them up in those two last mm-hmm. games, and then the first series came along, and we they cleaned our clock. Six six games, and and it was it wasn't that even though it went six games, it really wasn't that close. But no, God bless them. Have have a good time. All the brawl, all that. So, but the Marlins, we we were ready on Friday to come and do like a scorched earth podcast of the Marlins, and I yield the floor to the gentleman from no, Shenley Park to talk about I'm the still, things that we talked about last week. I'm still salty with uh with Donnie doesn't uh, know baseball. <laughs> Whose birthday last week? I don't care. Who's who should who he, probably will be elected or should be elected to the Hall of Fame wonderful. by the as Veterans a, Committee at the as end a of the player, year. but not as, as a, a player. Yes, as a player. His, he has his, a uh, his birthday gift should have been retirement. Oh, stop it! Stop it! <laughs> I I tweet now the day of his birthday we got shut out. I went to a game last Tuesday. We, I couldn't used to haven't gone to a game. No. Okay, so that's very rare for us. We're ten ten games, fifteen games, whatever it is, we're in, and. He hasn't been to a game. I went to a game with my father last Tuesday. I might just hold off as a statement now. Oh, you know, stop it. I'll, I'll, stop I'll it. give you money when Mattingly's not our Oh, manager. stop it. So I went. I not went that to I have that much to give, but. And there was zero atmosphere. Okay, yeah, they do the, the, the dog and pony show of all these tricks and, you know, you know entertainment. And I, I could care less. I just want to see a ball game. Thank God for, was it Brian De La Cruz that hit a home run? Or it was Jesus. One of them, hit, I think, it was Brian De La Cruz. Hit a home run, 
to prevent it from being a shutout. We can't beat St. Louis, and we beat them the la- we beat them the last day, thankfully. But it was like two days. At one day we hit, we scored one run. The second game we scored zero runs. We were shut out twice last week on a and gem I, by by Sandy. By Sandy, they <sighs> can't give him run support. And I tweeted that night after we were shut out it, the, the second game we lost to St. Louis. I go, I'm seeing this. I put a a, a gif of, of of you know somebody like exasperated after seeing that gem go to waste because no, they didn't score runs. And I go, dear Donnie, happy birthday, by the way. Can you please have ja- Jazz hit leadoff? What happens the next day? Finally. He hits leadoff. He's been hitting leadoff since then. I take full credit for this. Full credit. But no, I want you to go scorched earth, as you did with me all last week. Regardless that we, that we, that took, we, the that series. we took the series against the Braves. Yeah, go, and, go, and, go. And took the Just, air out of my sails here. Go. No, yeah. man. It's the, the uh, we, we talked about this a little bit uh did we talk about it on the podcast, or was just it was just you we didn't me. we didn't do sports in the last podcast you episode. So I got to repeat every all my frustrations. Go here. for it. You know the people deserve got, to hear. <laughs> you have the most dynamic player on on our t- on our team for sure. One of the most you know recognizable names in uh, in baseball, I would say. Yeah, you know, a great name. People people are are going out to see him in Jazz Chisholm. You know, literally buying tickets just to see this guy. I don't. I, you ask the, ask the league. Yeah. You ask people around the league. They probably couldn't name uh, four Marlins, but but the first one they'll rattle off to you is Jazz Chisholm. Can you? No, I mean, <laughs> I know you can, but I'm saying to the listeners, can you? And uh, so you got this guy batting ninth to start the <sighs> to start the season, and then you move him up to eighth. Woo! All right, talk about getting getting the getting the no, guy. No, second up. game of the year, he didn't start. No, yeah, yeah. He, he needed a rest. He needed a rest right away. We got we got to platoon everybody pitching. here. Uh, I think he's the only superstar that's in a platoon situation. No, he's he's only sat. Okay, so I'm gonna be the total no, Yankee no. D- Donnie apologist here. No, now I don't agree with everything he did. Not he happening. should not have had. He should not have done that. First of all, who else in that lineup could could steal bases? No, just Jazz. So you need to put him on John put, Birdie. But Birdie's a Birdie's a utility, utility man. man. Utility man who had a good game yesterday. Went two for four yesterday, batting three thirty three. But Birdie's a person you put in to pinch run, yep. you know, in a pinch hit when you need a, you know, in the extra innings or something like that. That's who John Birdie is, utility. But Jazz Chisholm, I agree, and I, this I totally agree with you. That's why I tweeted that out. Donnie, you need to bat this guy first. Now, yeah. I don't know if he's still tinkering. I don't think, I don't have to look this up to say this unequivocally and with full Determine, you know, with full confidence that the Marlins have not had the same lineup more than once nope. in the games that we have played. I'm sorry, we haven't. Nope. So, and yeah, that, the, the DH is going to add uh, add to that. We're, we're not going to have a we played consistent of a of a lineup, but and it's and it's but to have, DH we can, aside, yeah, you know, you're starting eight have uh, it, it's it's just been a you know let's throw some darts on the against the wall and see who's going to bat where. So Soler let off for most of the year. We're, we're 15 games in, by the way. And thankfully, he's starting to, I guess, wake up. He's still batting 190. Aguilar has been lost at the plate also, 216. Uh, Jesus Sanchez has been one of our most consistent hitters. Yesterday, he went over, so his batting average dropped to 310. But he had a great game and then got sat the next day. <sighs> so that's your go-to joke. Somebody has a game, man. On the bench the you next day. You bench him the next day. 
<laughs> the next need, day. They need a rest. They, they do. They did, they did too well. They got to give, so, give them a day. To go through the lineup yesterday, at least yesterday, Chisholm is batting 295, leading the league, at least as of yesterday morning. I don't know if it, after the games yesterday. Leading the, I don't know if it's the league or the majors in slugging. Still, whether it's the league or the majors, it's a pretty high accomplishment. This kid needs to be playing every day. He's young enough. He's yep. dynamic enough. People want to tune if in to see If you're an opposing him. manager, how do you get Jazz on the bench? You throw a lefty out on the mound. And Mattingly automatically jumps out oh, there, middle of the oh, fifth stop. inning. Uh, big spot of the lineup coming up. And we're going to pinch hit for Jazz Chisholm. He did that last week with Brian De La Cruz. And, and I a three-pitch strikeout. And it was To awful. end the inning. It was awful. Aguilar has been lost at the plate all year. He's our big basher. He's DH batting 216. He did get a hit yesterday. He's starting to come up a little bit. So Lair... Uh, got his World Series ring over the weekend. Congratulations. Can you please start hitting? He had a hit yesterday in a big spot. He, he had a big uh, spot yesterday. So hopefully he starts waking up. Brian De La Cruz coming off the bench has been very very good. And he's also yeah, good defensively. Not for Jazz, man. Come on. No, not, no, but not for Jazz. You're right. <laughs> Jesus Sanchez has been our most consistent hitter. Had an O for yesterday, so his average went down. But he has looked the monster that he is, that he's been projected to be, and has played a great center field. Yep. So... Now, my dad and I were, were watching this game on Tuesday, and we were looking at Visayo Garcia and like, um, I don't know, 188, did get a hit yesterday, but has not been the bopper that we had. Nope. Garrett Cooper, can I say something about oh, Garrett Cooper? Coop. Came up huge, had huge hits yesterday, but, but Garrett Cooper's your first man off the bench, because... Mingy should have been starting. Cooper played first base. And Mingy's consistent. Now, Mingy, on any other team, my father always reminds me of this. On any other team, would be a utility, would be a yep. bench. Player. But on this team, you need his leadership on the field. You need his consistency on the field. Uh, Wendell has been 341, is batting very well. Birdie is, and Stallings has been very good catcher. Great upgrade behind the plate. Oh, yeah. Overall, far well, that's, that's what you wanted. You you needed that defensive upgrade. And he's batting 171. You pray that those numbers, those numbers will come up. The first 10 games of the year, they're across the majors. Batting averages are down. Slugging percentage are down. Home runs are down. They don't know what it is. They think that now because everything, we'll do another, we could do a whole episode. We'll do that another day on what's wrong with baseball. I sent you that article. We have to read it. We haven't read it yet. I haven't I read did. it yet. You did? did? Oh, boy. It was a what's wrong with baseball. And it's analytics killing baseball. But now every stadium, like in Coors Field, has a humidor yep. to place your – just take a baseball, roll it out there, and just hit it. You know, that's what baseball is. Will people come and recognize this game if they walk out? You know, that's the great beauty of baseball is that – and they and they say it in, in the baseball documentary. The great beauty of baseball is somebody from the 1870s can, can yep. supposedly can travel to 2022 – and see, wait, you know, and see the same game, but they're not. So we'll get into that another day. But the Marlins are, believe it or not, in second yeah, place. I should be division. happy about this, but <laughs> but we are. Th- this division is crazy. I told you, I don't trust Philly. I don't trust New York. No, no, uh, wait. You, but here's the thing with New York. They have the best record. Yeah, that's not, not sustainable. They in, will find a way. Well, I was going to say in the majors. No, Los Angeles has the better record. They will find a way. They will They will Mets themselves. <laughs> okay. But every the Mets are 12-5. and five. Everybody else in the division is under 500. Marlins are in second place, 7-8. and eight, And because we beat Atlanta yesterday, they're 7-10. and 10. <laughs> You know, it's like, okay, we're in second place in the division. 
after two weeks, two or three weeks of baseball. Despite Don Mattingly. The only thing I could think of is as a manager, you have this lineup, you have new players. I'm being the total, as a, as a, as, as a Yankee fan, my favorite player, one of the, my favorite players growing up to see was Donnie Baseball. His birthday was last year. They put the top 10 plays of his career, that wonderful home run streak, eight games in a row that he hit home runs, tied for the record, and was a great hitter, and his back failed him. He should have been, won the World Series in 96, but he retired the previous year, only went to the postseason once. And, okay, Hori doesn't like his managing skills. And I question his managing skills. Yes, Jazz should have been hitting lead up from the get-go. Because you look at that lineup, and no one else can steal you a base, unless it's John Birdie. Mm-hmm. Now that's a problem, but that's a, also a product of analytics. Stealing bases is gone is, is not looked on favorably by the nerds upstairs. Okay, say the two nerds sitting in a studio. Okay, they don't like it. When we won the World Series in two thousand three. What was it that won us the World Series? Stealing Two things. Bases. Speed, speed, speed. Speed and pitching. Yep. Okay? That's what won us the World Series. The Yankees couldn't deal with that in the World Series. So, my goodness. You want to uh, bash me for what happened in Yankee Stadium on, on Saturday? Oh, the best fans in the world. They are the best the fans. Best fans. The best fans. We're so respectful right. of baseball. No. Can I say something? <laughs> All right. Can I say something? All right. I need to say something. All right. What was done, inexcusable. Those people should not be led into a major league stadium for the rest of their lives. I totally agree with that. Now, having said that, okay, when I go to Yankee Stadium, where I sit is in right field, but not where the first row. Because the Yankee fans have had this problem with the new Yankee Stadium that, you know, somebody articulated beautifully over the week and said when they built Yankee Stadium, they built like a little moat mm. around the field that only like the high price Marlins Park is a little bit like that. Lone Depot Park is a little bit like that. That you have, you know, the bottom is like the high price, you know, but in Yankee Stadium it's high price to the max. So the real fans aren't down there. And I'm looking at that first and I go, wait, that can't be, you know, where I sit the the bleacher creatures where I usually sit where they do the roll call, yeah. which is so beautiful at the beginning of a game. You need to go with me to Yankee Stadium and just experience it there. I've experienced it in October, and it's just amazing. When that, when I still remember when Aaron Judge, we were losing that game, and Aaron Judge hit that home run to put us back. That beers, I still remember the beers flying up in the air, and I was wearing a nice polo sweater. Was ruined. No, it wasn't ruined, <laughs> but it was just filled with beer, and I, and I had, oh my goodness, I go, I had to go and buy a Yankee hoodie next door in, in one of the shops on in the Bronx. I had no problem with it, but it was just a great experience. But those. Hooligans that were down there, that that's what John Sterling, the voice of the uh, the radio voice of the Yankees called them, that were sitting in the front row taunting the in the Guardians, excuse me. By the way, the, 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 both the Cleveland broadcast and the Yankee broadcast, both of them were saying the Indian players are like, and they they're the ones that are calling it. They still that's get it wrong. Take a while. Yeah. So the Guardian players are out there from Cleveland, and they I don't know what they said, but it was it started in left field. And I don't know how it communicated to the people in right, right field where the base hit that won the game on Saturday fell, that they started pelting totally wrong. But those people up there against the fence are not where I sit. That's part of the moat, so to speak. They're different seats. They have chair backs because where I sit 
It's just bleachers. No backs. And I said it to you the other day. You will not find a more knowledgeable fan base than in right field in Yankee Stadium. Because you could sit down and some of you have never met before, they'll be talking to you. No, because you got to bring up this guy from the minors. He's pitching like 99 miles an hour, 101 miles an hour. We, and it's somebody in low-A baseball. They know who this guy's name is. we got to get rid of this bum out here. You know, I remember in 2018 or 17, we were making that run. They wanted to trade Judge. They wanted to trade this guy. You know, And we were about to, you know, this is before that we yeah. went to the playoff game. They were. We were in first place. They wanted to trade people. You get into great baseball talk, knowledgeable fans, passionate fans. They do the roll call. They, you know, they, yes, we rag on people. Like if, you know, Sammy Sosa was out there in right field, you know, cool. Sammy Sosa, you know, yesterday to the guy that, cli- the, the guardian, that, uh, the Indian uh, Cleveland player. <laughs> See, uh, we, had a, we had a swear jar in here. I'd be, you know, broke by now. That, that was out there, he climbed the fence to confront a fan, so they started calling him Peter Parker. See, but that, see, that's, that's in good fun. Yeah, that's, that's good. Right, but they weren't pelting him with anything. That was totally wrong, but I have to say, I have to defend him. The reason they were calling him that because he's the one that said, worst fan base in the world. No. We, you know, we live in it, in Florida, the both our teams. Oh, yeah. Okay? That, these are the worst fan bases in the world. Come on. And I'll admit that. But... That was in the majors, you know, that was just horrible. And, and, I, and I go, that usually does not happen in Yankee Stadium. It may happen in Philly, it may happen in Chicago. Well, not, doesn't, but it happened. You, you know? feel better now? I feel better <laughs> defending it because that's where I sit when I go to Yankee Stadium. And I love it. I love it. Uh, we didn't talk about um, Bruno. We didn't talk about Bruno. <laughs> uh, it's draft week. And Is what do we? Yes, the Dolphins don't pick to a hundred and second. Ooh, on, lots of intrigue. So we're not playing on. Uh, we're not not playing. We're not drafting. What did they ask Chris Greer? What are you going to do on drafting? Because I'm going to watch Tyreek Hill highlights. So there, there's our draft. There's our draft preview. Hundred and second. We'll dra- hopefully draft a linebacker or somebody from the Georgia defense. There you go. Because we need it. We got to get a. We got to get our hockey expert in here next week. Yeah, the playoffs start next Monday. There, Monday or Tuesday, we start off, and we don't know who we're going to play yet. So, my friends, that's our episode. Any more, anything else in the world of sports that we missed? You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the NBA. Brooklyn, what a disaster that's been. They're, got, they're about to get swept. They're about to get swept. And um, Golden State looks scary. Milwaukee looks scary. Philly, eh, we're going to play them the next round. We'll take care of them. So, so anything else you want to add? You're no, good? That's... You don't want to give it, you don't want to rag on Downey anymore? No, I'll, I'll do that off air. <laughs> he's our manager and he's not going to be fired I'm telling you right now I'll do that uh, I'll do that tomorrow when they play again and he does I'll, something stupid I'll, he can't he can't possibly mess up today can he no it's, we're not playing today exactly we? okay there you go but he'll find a way <laughs> stop he's <laughs> he's managing all 162 games just letting you run right now I know alright unfortunately my friends the question that I posed to you in the first segment <laughs> that I posed to you in the first segment is a question that I want to leave you with do you really trust Jesus have that question take it to prayer because if we really want to repeat the mantra, divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you, we have to really trust Jesus. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.